Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Explaining History podcast. The thing I want to talk about today is the some of the um, myths, really, that exist uh, around Hitler's economic policy and the general kind of economic robustness of Germany in the 1930s and obviously during the war years. Um, in 2006, Adam Tooze, who you'll, you'll have heard me sing his praises a number of, on a number of occasions, um, wrote um, a pretty groundbreaking book, Wages of Destruction, um, following in the line of um, other economic historians of Nazi Germany, particularly the Marxist economic historian Tim Mason, um, looking at the kind of the economic realities uh, versus the economic myths uh, that were propagated by Nazism, myths that we, you know, decades and decades after the end of the Second World War, still happily consume. Now, this the debate about the um, uh, the the economy of the Third Reich, I I believe has largely been resolved, but it it doesn't prevent um, you know myths and assumptions filtering into kind of mainstream discourse. And the way that Adam Tooze sets it out is he says that um, actually Nazi Germany was nowhere near economically robust enough uh, to go to war and it had a series of economic crises throughout the 1930s um, based around rearmament. And the central dilemma uh, of the Nazis at war was that they were in um, a, a race to smash and grab as much territory and resources as possible. But obviously, when the war turns against them, it's these territories uh, that provide the um, living standards of uh, Germans. Uh, they really asset strip Europe. You have countries such as Belgium and the Netherlands uh, where, with um, half the material goods uh, and uh, standards of living that they had uh, in 1939 by about 1943 or so. Um, but yes, as these um, victories are rolled back, so the economic viability of Germany declines and declines, and obviously you've got to factor in heavy bombing into that as well. So there is a, a great review of the book um, in Richard Javen's essays, um, The Third Reich in um, History and Memory, 
Um, and that's basically where I'm going to be drawing a lot of the ideas we're going to be talking uh, about today. Hitler um, had an obsession with uh, America, um, with uh, America and with living standards. Um, Timothy Snyder points out in Black Earth that the term Lebensraum, um, living space, uh, meant the the kind of the the, the space, uh, not just kind of uh, geographical space in which Germans uh, could live, but the um, the amount of resources that Germans could uh, could have, and Hitler frequently said that. Uh, Germans should really be living like Americans, having those kinds of standards of living. Um, but if you if you break down the stats, in the decade 1924 to 1935, American national income was three times that of Britain, four times that of Germany, five times of that of France or the Soviet Union. And in that period, British per capita gross domestic product was running at 89% of um, the uh, US if you imagine, take the US as being at 100%. The French were at 72%, the Germans at 63%, and the Soviets at 25%. And uh, yeah, Hitler, in his um, second book, the, the Schweit book, um, was, um, was aware of this and um, very conscious of this. And part of Hitler's vision for conquest was that um, the uh, the Wehrmacht, uh, the German army, needed additional resources um, that would come at the expense of other European peoples. Uh, the German people's material standards of living uh, should not, you know, dramatically decrease. Hitler was quite contrary on this. Um, you know, Hitler is a a, a, a a kind of a master of contradicting himself, um, and throughout the nineteen thirties, he's actually said quite different things. He'd made the case that uh, shortages um, caused by rearmament were essentially a good thing and they would build the moral fibre of German people and the importation of luxuries that was curtailed by the regime. Again, this was important because you didn't want um, the German people to really um, have to rely on uh, foreign imports, but more importantly, you didn't want them to be spoiled by, um, by luxury. The Hitler had this idea that the German people should be essentially toughened up. Um, they were going to be racially toughened up anyway by getting rid of uh, racial undesirables, and they were going to be sort of physically and even spiritually uh, toughened up to be a kind of a Spartan warlike people who could fight a, uh, fight on the battlefield and uh, endure hardship on the home front, uh, knowing that uh, this kind of eschatology, this this f- far off future, this racial future of perfection, was beckoning and, you know, one had to struggle to get there. Rather like the um, view of uh, Soviet communism in the mid-1930s, that when that communism would eventually emerge, but there was going to be a long, long period of struggle in order to, to build it. Hitler concluded, um, perhaps correctly, that um, the American standard of living had been achieved via a, a kind of a pro- process of creating American Lebensraum, um, the, with the extermination of the, the Native American peoples. Um, and the, uh, this was going to be a, a, a model, really, for, um, for Hitler's uh, actions in building Lebensraum in the Soviet Union. And here Richard J. Evans makes the point that Hitler wasn't descending into medieval fantasy. 
um, thinking about the you know Friedrich Barbarossa and the Teutonic Knights and fighting Ivan Nevsky on uh, the Russian steppe. Um, he was thinking of a very modern model of conquest and colonization, really that of European powers uh, and um, the American um, uh, the American nation in the 19th century. Now, both Adam Toos and Richard J. Evans have made the point that the um, economic miracle that supposedly happened after 1933 is greatly overstated. Far too much has been made of it. And really, it is conscription that brings down uh, unemployment. The numbers of jobs created by the autobahns are relatively small, and the um, other significant point about the autobahns is that they don't provide any kind of Keynesian-style reflation of the economy. The wages that the autobahn workers are paid are extremely low, so low, in fact, that families have to provide foodstuffs for their loved ones um, not to go hungry. Um, and so there is uh, the, the old Keynesian maxim that it's better to give a man, uh, pay a man to dig a hole um, all morning and then fill it in in the afternoon than to have him go idle, to give a man utterly absurd work and to have him go idle so that he can actually spend money and get the, uh, uh, the economy working again. Um, this is lost on Hitler. Hitler, by and large, sees work as this kind of a transformational process that um, it's good for the spirit and to get men out in the fresh air toiling and it will do have some kind of uh, transformative effect on their mentality. No longer will they be these sort of lazy urban idlers full of perhaps bohemian and or Weimar ideas which are all tainted, as Hitler strongly believes, with these Judeo-Bolshevist thoughts. No, they'll be out there in the German countryside seeing the, the mountains and the forests, uh, building autobahns and um, rejoicing in the glory of the racial community. Which, of course, doesn't happen, because basically, in short, people aren't like that. Um, the, um, there were large numbers of people working on the autobahns who were completely unsuited to that kind of work, um, accountants, um, greengrocers, these sort of things. People that had been flung out of work by the Depression, uh, and manual labour wasn't the solution for them. Um, similarly, men who and women who were sent to um, work uh, in agriculture, uh, who never uh, worked a harvest before, by and large got in the way and were considered more of a nuisance to German farmers and peasants, um, than, than a help. And the reality is that the Nazis were very lucky in their timing of when they managed to capture power uh, because the Depression itself was, was coming to an end anyway. Um, the, it had, um, those the, the beginnings of a recovery and they had inherited um, some of the works built, the, the, the work building programs from uh, Schleicher's government shortly beforehand. The drive for rearmament creates all sorts of tensions and contradictions within the economy. Firstly, um, it sucks up um, a, a large number of resources that could be used for um, other consumer industries. This means that there are shortages of consumer goods in the shops, at the same time that munitions workers are being paid higher wages, so you've got more cash chasing fewer products, and this is inherently inflationary. And it's these concerns that um, see Hitler's finance minister, Jarmar Schacht, um, 
eventually uh, sidelined for uh, Goering, who was far more capable of being a yes-man to Hitler when he became the Reich Plenipotentiary for the Office of the Four-Year Plan, i.e. getting Germany ready for war by 1940. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Goering makes as much of an uh, inept mess of that task as he does uh, being head of the Luftwaffe. Um, his, uh, his singular skill is being able to appeal to Hitler and to know what Hitler's desires and wants and whims are. Um, Schacht was essentially saying we need to slow down the armament because it's going to overheat the economy. Um, this was an outrage to Hitler because Hitler understood nothing about economics and had no interest in it and didn't was a profound anti-intellectual. He was probably convinced that he was the only intellectual, the only person capable of understanding anything at all. Um, but he believed that uh, concepts like economics or sociology um, were secondary, if not irrelevant, when compared to racial thinking that the concepts of race were all that really mattered and because race really explained the entire world. And as a result, um, he dismisses um, uh, Yalmar Schacht. And you reach a kind of a strange dilemma. Um, some historians, particularly Gottsalli, um, have argued that uh, Hitler tried to cushion the civilian population economically uh, for fear of alienating it. Um, certainly, there's abundant evidence. If you read um, Noakes and Pridham's um, read, Third Reich Nazi Germany readers, there's tons and tons of evidence there that shows that they were carrying out uh, opinion polls left, right, and centre. The uh, uh, the SD, the security uh, division of the SS, were spying on public conversations, and they were obsessed with public opinion for uh, a dictatorship. The level of interest in what people think and the, the, the worry about uh, public opinion is immense. But Adam Tews points out, and he uses lots and lots of data to show it, that... Uh cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, the, uh, the, there's no economic evidence to, to claim that they did cushion the German people. Um, from the uh, problems of low wages, inflation, 
and falling living standards. Um, again, this there's this sort of plays out when you read Richard J. Evans' um, The Third Reich in Power. Um, you get the impression of there being a, a constantly sort of aggrieved and dissatisfied, yet largely apathetic population who aren't fanatical Hitler supporters, um, who by 1938-39 are so um, disillusioned with politics and so turned off the idea that politics can change their lives in, for the better in any way, um, that they, they become uh, apolitical. Goebbels and Hitler in 1933 didn't want an apolitical uh, population. Their central to their ideology was that if the entire population could be mobilised at one time, if all the German people act as one in unison, uh, they were unstoppable. And Goebbels said things to the effect of um, this revolution uh, isn't one which will tolerate bystanders. Everyone needs to be fully engaged and join in. Um, and that the it was a, a complete revolution um, and would start to challenge the pre-existing ideas about the, the purpose of life that German people had uh, and really start to uh, make them um, shift their ideas towards thinking uh, racially. Now, even though 600,000 Germans died of malnutrition um, during the uh, Allied blockade in the First World War, um, Hitler still didn't believe that building up large food reserves or um, keeping uh, German people uh, well fed during the period of rearmament was as much of a priority as the rearmament itself. The, um, uh, the, the, there was a, a debate uh, in Nazi Germany um, revolving around the idea of guns or butter um, and Richard J. Evans makes the point that it was always the guns that won meaning that rearmament was prioritised over the uh, civilian consumer market. By 1939, one in every five Reichsmarks was allocated to uh, armament spending. Hitler was determined, uh, perhaps from a, a point of national pride, not to devalue um, the Reichsmark, um, and he uh, suffers, therefore, from a, a shortage of currency. Um, there's a net flow of uh, monies out of the Reich. Um, and the, uh, part of the, 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 kind of the rather ham-fisted and short-termist solution was to loot Jews who attempted to emigrate so that they couldn't take any assets or savings with them. And this actually discourages Jews from emigrating, so it works against um, Hitler's racial uh, policy in the mid-1930s, which was to force, uh, enforce Jewish emigration. And this shows really that the, the Nazi policy was extremely chaotic and contradictory a lot of the time. One initiative would, uh, would undermine the next. One of the most significant events of this period in November 1937 is the Hossbach uh, Conference, uh, so called because the note taker who took the infamous notes of the conference was Friedrich Hossbach, um, one of Hitler's adjutants, uh, produced these uh, at the Nuremberg trials. And the Hossbach conference was a meeting of the heads of the army, uh, the Luftwaffe, and the Kriegsmarine, the navy, um, and uh, Hitler and um, Ribbentrop. Um, and there he, uh, Hitler lays out a timetable for war. But 
one of the reasons why the conference was called in the first place is it wasn't called by Hitler, it was called by the uh, Chiefs of Staff to iron out disputes between them about who should get first refusal on resources. The, there was a shortage of steel, um, Hitler, and Hitler had enormously ambitious, perhaps uh, over-ambitious, uh, plans for aircraft production, particularly he wanted 21,000 planes uh, to be ready by 1939. And there was an intense rivalry and bickering between the uh, Air Force, the Navy and the Army um, as to who should uh, who should have uh, sufficient resources. Um, Hitler, Hitler's priorities was Army first, Air Force second, Navy third. Uh, Hitler um, didn't completely write off the Navy, uh, but he always believed that the Army and the Air Force were really the kind of the most treasured uh, parts of his military and the most important uh, tools that he could have uh, to wage war with. Uh, the Hossbach Memorandum was later used to make the case that the Nazis had deliberately planned and launched a preemptive war, which at the Nuremberg Trials was um, the supreme international crime. The war itself, according to Adam Tooze, and there's abundant evidence to suggest this, is fought on something of a shoestring. In the World at War, the uh, 1977 classic uh, documentary uh, on the Second World War, um, there were accounts by German soldiers who found the uh, abandoned equipment of the British Expeditionary Force at Dunkirk and marvelled how well, how luxuriously well-equipped the British Army was. In Barbarossa and in um, the uh, invasion of the West, um, horses are used in enormous numbers, and the German army um, has, it, it, as it races across France, um, it's short on food, on fuel, um, and uh, is close indeed in some instances to running out of ammunition. And again, I think this is the most important part of this discussion, the idea that um, the uh, cards were marked for Germany right from the get-go, that Germany wasn't um, a, a powerful enough uh, economic player. Um, if you think, well, you know, neither was, was Britain. Britain had been through a, a punishing... Uh, era of depression up to 1934, when it started to rise out of it in the second half of the um, 1930s, the, you have to remember that Britain had an entire empire to rely on um, to supply it with food during a wartime blockade uh, from Germany and to loan it money. It wasn't just America that loaned money to Britain, Canada did. Um, and f uh, large quantities of food um, and manpower could be diverted from India and other parts of the empire. So when the British portray themselves as the plucky underdogs in 1940, completely alone, um, it has to be taken with something of a pinch of salt. Britain was never completely alone. The uh, invasion of Great Britain was uh, a non-starter from the beginning, argues twos. There was, uh, there weren't the resources, there weren't the boats to do it to cross the English Channel, 
there the Nazis were hoping to convert uh, Dutch flat-bottom barges, um, which was done in a rush job at the last minute, hardly symptomatic of long-term planning. Um, German uh, aircraft production was lower than British aircraft production. The uh, the Luftwaffe was losing fighter planes and light bombers at a, a pace it couldn't afford. Um, and the British, um, under the guise of Max Aitken, Lord Beaverbrook, reorganised their aircraft production and actually managed to increase it during the Battle of Britain, turning out um, more fighters than the Germans could contend with. And the difficulty as well is that uh, German fighters and, and bombers had to travel from Germany uh, and had a short amount of flying time. Um, and fuel suddenly becomes a real premium. And these problems, if you think these problems are difficult, then imagine the shortages and supply problems in Barbarossa. Sure, it's um, all very well for Hitler to plan to seize the Ukraine in order to feed the Wehrmacht and uh, the German population, but actually um, marching into the Ukraine with four million soldiers cross the border. But the, the how well equipped they are and the um, uh, strength of supply lines that are growing every single day and the um, ability to provide things like antifreeze for tanks, uh, cold winter uh, clothes for soldiers, um, rifles that are properly oiled so they don't freeze, these kinds of, of essential things. That's um, not high on Hitler's priorities. And Albert Speer himself, when he takes over um, the, uh, the, as Minister of Armaments after Fritz Todd is mysteriously killed, um, finds that the German munition system is in chaos, that there are factories that are just empty, that there are numbers of dozens of uh, very similar kinds of tanks and jeeps being uh, half tracks, sorry, not jeeps, American thing, um, being produced that and duplicated that don't have to be, and Speer does a very good job of rationalising the entire system, but it's too little, too late because by nineteen forty three, the entire economic output of the British Empire, the United States of America, and the Soviet Union, um, are pitted against Germany. And Germany's no no way can she compete with all that, even though of course uh, German war production at the time is uh, taking up all spare materials. Um, the decision to annihilate the uh, thirty million um, Soviet citizens, uh, which is isn't finally realised, um, to free up uh, land and resources in the Ukraine is uh, partly uh, the creation of wartime, but partly pre-panned by the German army um, as well. It is interesting to note that in the second part of the war, um, when these um, serious economic problems are reaching critical point, the Nazi regime is working on developing um, jet fighter technology, rockets, um, long-distance U-boats, uh, these wonder weapons... And they have a plan for the atomic bomb. Um, the atomic bomb was probably never going to be feasible in uh, Nazi Germany. If you imagine, the Manhattan Project in America uh, employed something approaching 100,000 people. It was a, a vast industrial process um, that the, the resources of the United States was able to, um, uh, to, to bear. 
Finally, of course, mass bombing um, and the destruction of Germany's infrastructure um, really causes the uh, military economy and civilian economy uh, to collapse. Speer went on record as saying that uh, had Allied bombing during the combined bombing offensive continued for another six weeks uh, in 1943, then Germany would have uh, ceased to function. Okay, so I, I hope you found that useful. You might be studying this and um, you might find this useful for your exams, which everyone seems to be having at the moment. If so, do give us a like. It's very helpful and, you know, helps to, to boost the ratings and everything gets better as a result. Um, and I'll be catching you next week on Monday, Wednesday, Friday with more Explaining History podcasts. I uh, hope you're enjoying the show and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye-bye. 